Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome. Welcome to Fearless with Jason Whitlock. I am Jason Whitlock, your host. We made it. It's Friday. The weekend is here. An awesome Friday show. Perhaps the best Friday show uh, we've ever had in the existence. The two-year history of this show will be today. I'm very, very excited. Uh, Bryson Gray is in studio with us. Round of applause for uh, Bryson Gray. He's in studio with us. We'll be here all day. Uh, We're going to debut, I'd say give us 20... 30 minutes, we're gonna debut a new song that Bryson, Shamika Michelle, and Jimmy Livy uh, in, in Miami, Jimmy just had that number one song about Target. Uh, they put a song together, we put a special song together for the Los Angeles Dodgers on Pride Night. Uh, we're gonna reclaim the rainbow, we're gonna debut that song in about 30 minutes here. You don't wanna miss it, it's an awesome video and song. You know, Shamika blew all of us away. Jimmy and Bryson did what they do. They're known for hit number one songs. They performed as such. Uh, the video is amazing. Stay tuned for that. You do not want to miss it. Uh, Delano's going to join us at the top of the show here as I try to unpack. And, and by the way, Steve Kim will join us. At the end of the show, we'll talk a little sports stuff uh, with Steve Kim at the end of the show, but we're gonna start, oh, and obviously Shamika Michelle will be here to talk about her, her role in the song and a couple other little stories, but we're gonna start with Matt Walsh's report yesterday on Twitter that I found fascinating, and, and it has synergy with a column that Delano wrote today that was excellent and good about Father's Day. And it's, it's just what we talk about on this show constantly and what's at the center of this culture war, this corporate push for the alphabet mafia and the LGBTQ agenda. And, and Matt Walsh from the Daily Wire put out a series of tweets yesterday where he had some insider information about what Fox News was pushing inside to its employees about supporting the LGBTQ and swallowing all the LGBTQ ideology and how there are leftists within Fox News who now feel empowered and are having their way within Fox News. This whole thing also has synergy. I didn't ask for this clip uh, this time, and I should have, but we've been a little bit busy with the video and all that, but Tucker Carlson made a point uh, yesterday with his Tucker on Twitter where he talked about Joe Biden and the wannabe dictator thing, and Tucker made a passing comment about the women who run Fox News and how they reacted to the Chiron that said wannabe dictator 
And it's a very small, subtle thing that Tucker said, but I know exactly what he's talking about. The leadership at Fox News is weak in the aftermath of Roger Ailes. A woman named Suzanne Scott is running it. I, I forget the woman name who's her number two, but basically at the very top of Fox News is two women. I've met Suzanne Scott, I've talked to the other woman. Nice people, great people, well-intentioned people. But at the end of the day, if you guys remember, I did a mono a month ago, but women don't take bullets. That's not in their nature. And so they will compromise. And they're not gonna be as strong and as steadfast as a Roger Ailes. And Tucker made that point. And so when I was seeing Matt Walsh's report on Twitter about what's going on and the selling out to the LGBTQ, and you couple that with Tucker pointing out like, hey man, this female leadership over at Fox News, what a surprise, they're being inclusive to the whole LGBTQ thing. I'm not surprised at all. I said, and I'm gonna stand by it, the day Tucker Carlson's last day was my last day on Fox News. It was, it was clear to me that they had sold out and there had been other signs long before that they had sold out. You can go back to election night, 2020, uh, and Tucker was their last hope. And I, I've just left it all alone. I will not appear on the network again. Uh, they're sellouts. They've sold out to the Alphabet Mafia. They have weak leadership, a byproduct of having, and I'm sorry if it makes me sound sexist, but women who prefer to compromise and be inclusive rather than stand on any sort of biblical principle or any principle at all. They'd much rather choose peace than a necessary war. So Matt Walsh's uh, report didn't surprise me. It, it, it par for the course. Uh, Delano, I want to bring you into the conversation first. I'm sure you read Matt Walsh's deal. What was your reaction, and are you surprised that Fox News is selling out like every other corporation <laughs> is to BlackRock and everybody else forcing ESG down our throat? Definitely not surprised, Jason. Um, part of it, and this, this part doesn't necessarily get brought up a ton, is that Fox News, to, to my understanding, is headquartered in New York City. Right, one of the most liberal cities, obviously, in the country, um, and it may be very well be the fact that it may very well be the case that they think um, that if they were to take a different position, they may get hit with some pretty serious, you know, fines and penalties because they're located in New York City. Um, I'm not surprised though, because one, corporate America, to your point has completely sold out. And it's not just it, that it's sold out. Um, corporate America is part of the tip of the scalpel, I'll say, not the tip of the spear, the tip of the scalpel that is trying to trans our kids. Um, when the Equality Act was up and being you know, debated in Congress, it, it was the vast majority of Fortune 500 companies were behind it, including Amazon, Google, Apple, all those. So I'm not surprised that Fox News is found um, among that number. Um, when they ran a segment, I want to say it was last year, last June, about a kid, a teenager, I want to say this family was in California, and the family claimed that the, I want, I believe it was a biological, it's a girl, born a female, who now identifies as a boy, and Fox News ran this glowing segment, and even included the, the line, which everyone will know because this is sort of the epitome of emotional manipulation, <clears throat> 
But the parents said, well, we, we'd rather have a living son than a dead daughter. And when they ran that and then the reporter was like, oh, man, this is such a great a segment. I said, oh, yeah, they're gone. They're gone. So anything that I, that I see internally, their partnership with the Trevor, Trevor Project, which, as you know, Jason, the Trevor Project was one of those, you know, young boys that really made the NFL come out of the closet um, and declare that they're, they're officially gay. Um, when I saw that Fox News was was partnering with them, I said, oh, yeah, they, they, they're compromised. Now, will they be slightly better and allow for more debate on these issues than CNN and MSNBC? Yes, they will. On air? Sure. You, you, you'll have parents go on Laura Ingram and say, we're fighting back against boys and girls sports. But in terms of corporate culture and corporate values, you know, they, they might as well be sitting somewhere between CNN and, and the Washington Post. Bryson, you're, you're... I'm so glad he brought up that segment that aired last June. Uh, I was one of the people that exposed it. Uh, I said, <laughs> y'all watch Fox News. Uh, this is crazy. And that's, honestly, that's when I officially stopped watching Fox News. Like he said, the NFL did. I feel like, I feel like Fox News came out as gay. And I was in New York, and I actually went to Fox News building just to see if it was LGBT stuff around it. <laughs> to, my, to, to, to my surprise, it wasn't at the time. But um, you, see, you see what they're doing now. They're supporting Pride. They have been doing us for a while. I'm glad everybody's seeing it. I'm glad Matt Walsh is exposing it. And like Matt Walsh said, you're not going to see a lot of mainstream conservatives sharing what he exposed or coming out against Fox News because people care more about that that time slot. They're not going to do what you just did. He said, when Tucker left, you left. You're not going to see a lot of mainstream conservatives say that. They rely on uh, a lot of these people and a lot of these places for their clout. I think this could actually be a healthy thing, though, because for the rest of the public, it's like, I'm telling and I say this in all seriousness, I would rather, and I have, turned on CNN before I'll turn on Fox News. I know mm. CNN is lying to me. I know CNN is satanic. They are standing on their set of demonic principles. I respect that. I will not be lied to and played a game with by Fox News and them pretending like they're against this when they're really not. They just want to keep the money flowing and stay in the good graces of the globalists and this whole one world agenda. And so I, honestly, and I'm, I virtually never do this, but I would, I would watch MSNBC before I would watch Fox News. Wolves in sheep clothing, Matthew said. Mm. Yeah. yeah. So and, and uh, Delano, I'm sorry, go ahead, Delano. No, and I was gonna say, but I do wanna point this out. That is not just Fox News. Conservative mainstream corporate conservative media is completely compromised. If you read the New York Post, they, they use quote unquote personal pronouns. Um, and it's not just media. I remember, f it might've been last year, Matt Schlapp, who's the head of CPAC, was tw tweeted some story about, you know, Billy Thomas, AKA Leah Thomas. And he said something to the effect of, I wonder how she will feel about her win 30 plus years from now. Right. And a lot of people sort of jumped on his head to say, why are you doing this? But I think a, a big part of and I, and I say this is somebody who, you know, didn't grow up sort of in conservative world. My outside observation is that what the right really seeks to conserve is their good standing and reputation in the leftist progressive mainstream. A lot of these people, I'm assuming, don't want to get canceled from their dinner parties on the Upper West Side 
or in Georgetown. They, they want to be able to, to go work at, you know, the Kennedy School of Government at Harvard or, or take other positions in sort of mainstream society. They don't want that stink of being tarred as a bigot or transphobe or homophobe. So that is why they will sort of lightly fight for certain wins. And, and that's why they, they, they focus on certain things, bathrooms, girls in sports, and, and other sort of tangible victories that they can say, oh, this is reasonable. But they have no desire to uproot transgender ideology from the culture. So that's why they'll say, oh, Leah Thomas shouldn't be able to compete against girls in sports. But they will refer to, to you know, William Thomas as a she, and they will, they will act as if they believe a man can actually become a woman. So it, it's not just Fox News. I think the, the right in general um, is full of people who have compromised either in terms of their values, their policies, or their rhetoric. And many of them, to Bryce's point, are just wolves in sheep's clothing. One of the decisions I had to make was to, to get out of California just so I could be mm -hmm. me without where I could be in an environment. It's not like you know, Nashville is kind of liberal, but Tennessee overall, even the liberals here, they're so used to dealing with conservatives and Christian and people of faith that they're not offended mm -hmm. by me. Mm -hmm. And but in L.A., it was a palpable feeling like, oh, yeah, that's Jason Whitlock. He's and again, I'm a non-voter, but it's like because I stood on some biblical principles, I'm a conservative. I could actually feel it when I went out. I would be engaging with people and then they dance around and ask the kind of the questions to try to figure out where you're at. And boy, mm -hmm. if you didn't hop on the Obama worship train, uh, you know, you were persona non grata. And so I, I've been saying for years, like if Fox News were serious, if they really wanted to represent conservatives, mm -hmm. they would relocate, move out of New York, move to Florida, move to Texas, move to Tennessee, move somewhere where if in particular you're going to have this female leadership where they can go out to dinner and mm -hmm. not feel like the people there hate them. Someone may spit in their food or whatever. Women are just not going to take that kind of heat. And most men, and I, I hate to put a man, right. most men aren't right. going to take that kind of heat. People want to be liked. It's a natural instinct. It's very few people like a Bryson Gray who could <laughs> care less what anybody thinks about them. I'm the same way. That's how I know it's rare. Like, I care less. You ain't comfortable around me? That, that's, that's your problem. I'm very comfortable. Correct. That's how you have to go about it if we're going to change anything, if we're going to compromise. And when a, a woman's inherent state and a lot of time is to be more nurturing, to be more sympathetic, to be more empathetic, to be more uh, compassionate. Uh, so, of course, they're, they're just naturally in a state where they're more likely to compromise on certain things, especially don't let them have a friend that's gay. You know what I'm saying? Then it's definitely going, you know, they're not going to fight back. Uh, men do it mainly because they do want to be liked. They, like he said, they want to they want to have the dinner parties. Uh, so it takes people like a Jason Whitlock or like me. It, it, it takes people like that to actually fight back. Guys, I want to talk about uh, Delano's column. It's excellent. But before I do that, I want to talk about uh, one of our best friends here. You guys know I love talking about preborn. You guys know that they're part of our mission and part of a mindset that we have as fearless soldiers. We believe and know that life begins at conception inside the womb. 
anybody that tells you it doesn't, go look at the studies. If you talk, read to your baby while the baby's inside the womb, it, it impacts their intelligence. So if you can do things while the baby's inside the womb that will impact their intelligence, impact their health, how can you say life doesn't begin inside the womb? And so we have that mindset and that's how we know how to treat life outside the womb. And nobody supports this mindset better than preborn. Preborn provides ultrasounds to expectant mothers who are considering abortion. The, the ultrasound, once that woman hears the baby's heartbeat, once she sees that image, she is far more likely to choose life. And then that's when preborn steps in and starts providing her the materials, the diapers and the formula and just all the assistance she needs the first two years of that baby's life. You guys, I brought Dan Steiner on the show. He founded Preborn. You know where the money goes. It does not go to mid-level management or some executives to pay exorbitant salaries. The money you give to Preborn pays for ultrasounds and helping those women. It's just $28 for one ultrasound, five ultrasounds, $140. Two ways to give, very easy. Pick up your phone, pound 250, say the keyword baby, or do it the Jason Whitlock way. Preborn.com slash Jason, preborn.com slash Jason. When you do, when you give, I got some emails today uh, from people uh, emailing me today. Show at gmail. Nothing inspires me more than getting your email saying, hey, Jason, I gave a few bucks to Preborn. Whether it's $5 or 5000 it doesn't matter. It all adds up. I love to hear about it. Thank you guys for supporting Preborn. It's, it's part of our fearless mission. I want to circle back to Delano. Delano, you, you used Father's Day as a jumping off point uh, to make a point about the vatriarchy. Did, did I say mm. that right, the vatriarchy? You did. Anyway, mm -hmm. unpack your column. Sure, I mean, it's funny, Jason. I, I just came back from a long family reunion in, in Louisiana. Family's been on my mind for, for obviously, this is what I do. And Father Day, Father's Day is coming up. And I was just thinking about a different angle um, about, you know, how to talk about fathers and their importance. And, and it hit me. It's like, look, we we are in a different era. Right. We we used to, to live under patriarchy. And, and I'd say since the mid 60s, you know, the second wave of feminism, you know, since then, everybody has basically been indoctrinated into the matriarchy. And now we're in an era where people reject biological sex altogether. So, so now I, I say we're in the vatriarchy, right? And I'll put it a different way. In the 1980s, a woman would have said, I don't need a man. And her daughter in the 2000s would say, I don't want, I don't want a man. And her grandson today will say, mama, I don't want to be a man. And, and that's the type of thing that shows you how important fathers are because the enemies are not just at the gate, they're inside the house. And this goes right back to our conversation. Part of the reason they're there is because men and women by nature are different. And what you need at the front door guarding the house is a watchman, is a guardian, someone who's, who is more than willing to say, you can't come in here. And what you need on the other side of the door is someone to usher them, usher them in and welcome them, someone to make the space inviting and warm and friendly. But when you put the usher on the outside of the door and you and you tie up the watchman, the guardian, 
and he's somewhere in the closet practicing his preferred pronouns, what you have is not just a household that is vulnerable to attack, but what you have are a group of children who have no one to defend them. Um, and I think that's part of what we're seeing right now. So I just wanted to write about that for Father's Day, encourage fathers to know what time it is, know the world in which we live, um, and be willing to act accordingly. And I, I'll give you one quick example, Jason. I saw a video, I followed somebody on Twitter. She's, she lives in Pennsylvania. And it was a video of a drag queen story hour at a library in Philadelphia. And they had the big burly drag queen and he's reading to the kids. And, and I, I just looked at the crowd and I said, oh, notice a pattern. You know, it's a typically similar type of people, you know, upper income, middle class, you know, typically white women. Sometimes you'll, you'll have some, some black women, you know, and most of the women are there by themselves. But then I saw a dude in there with a Phillies cap on and they actually interviewed him. And he said, yeah, I brought my kids here and it was a good experience and teaching them about diversity. And I thought to myself, this guy needs 25,000 Umar lashes. He need Dr. Umar to drive down <laughs> from Delaware from his school and give him some lashes on his backside to get his head back on straight. Because I don't know how any man or father or grandfather will willingly take him, his child into an environment to expose them to that type of perversion and confusion. But so, so that's why I wanted to say to encourage fathers and to challenge them that we need you to fight the vatriarchy. Delano, one of the points you made at the top was that I thought was important is that many men are asleep and they don't know what time it is and the time mm -hmm. that we're living in right now. I thought that was a critical point in trying to shake dudes up to like, hey man, are y'all aware of what's going on, how demonic this is and how um, emasculating it is for your young boys. Everything is slanted towards creating men who will mm -hmm. take their kids to the example of the man you just, you just gave. He thinks he's doing the right thing. He's fitting in with the culture by taking his kids into the middle of debauchery. And, and part of that is because men like him, and, and I'd say anybody under the age of 60, has been bathed and marinated in a post-second wave feminist culture their entire lives. So we, we talk a lot, particularly like when it comes to abortion, of how you know feminists sort of encourage women to, to defy their nature, but in a similar way, they've encouraged men to defy our nature, right? So men don't wanna be disagreeable. They don't want people, to, they don't wanna say no to anybody. They don't wanna get angry. They don't wanna you know, be aggressive, even in, in situations where they need to be. So, so somebody like him has been pulled and he's, he's, operate, he's operating in his divine feminine, right? And, and part of what we need is to, is to get back you know, to, to, to our nature because again, we're raising boys in an era where it's like they're being told constantly that the best way for you to be a boy is to act like a girl. And even if you like to wear a pink shirt or play with your older sister's dolls, then you may actually be a girl. Uh, and, I, and I think that's a terrible message, and you're right. Men need to understand what time it is, and particularly, and I, and I didn't necessarily go in this direction, but I'll say it here, particularly to men in the black community, we need to understand what time it is. And the reason I, I specify us is because the left has gotten very crafty, because that's what the enemy does. He, 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 knows, how, he knows how to work it. He knows, he knows which buttons to push. So what the left does, 
they knew it. They, they know that if they just push the LGBT stuff straight up and they make it all about, you know, gay middle class guys that want to buy, you know, property and, and get married, quote unquote, the black community is not going to necessarily be on board with that. But if they wrap the, the pride flag or if they dip the pride flag in, flag in chocolate and they say, well, to, to really be a black person, a good black person in good standing, you have to be an ally to the LGBTQ2IA plus silent P plus bestiality community, then we say, oh wow, if this is now about race, then we gotta get on board. So, so that's why whenever you hear the NAACP talk now, they will quickly pivot from issues around race to issues around LGBTQ. They did it with the travel advisory to Florida. It's Florida is a, is a bad place for black folk and LGBTQ plus people. You know what I mean? And I even saw today a headline from, uh, I can't remember, it might have been Seattle, where they said something to the effect of LGBT people are leaving the state um, in a rainbow underground railroad. And I said to myself, these people have as much trouble keeping their hands off of black history as they do keeping their hands off of young children. Or they, they cannot resist when they see anything having to do with black America, they say, oh, if we attach ourselves to this, we can push it even further. And that's why they're always trying to reach out and touch touch black history. Um, and I think particularly black men need to understand that when you pull the lever for, for Democrats in whatever city you live in, particularly if you live in a big city, understand what it is that you're getting. They, they, they dangle reparations in front of your face like, like, a, like, a, like a carrot, like a piece of cheese. But they, they dangle workforce development programs. They dangle union jobs, um, uh, trades in the schools. They dangle those things in your face. But what they're really selling is LGBTQ, is the pride agenda, is abortion, and sort of a distant third is climate change. But those first two things, that is what the Democratic Party is all about. So particularly black men need to wake up. The men in the barbershops, the, the guys who are who are going to church and they hold values similar to ours, but they vote for people who hate their values. All the people who was at the, 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 the Juneteenth um, celebration at the White House the other day, and, they, and they're posting about, oh, oh you, you see that choir? Uh, the choir's really singing, and Jen, Jennifer Hudson's really singing. And four days earlier, they, they was having transgenders shaking their man boobs on, on, on the lawn. Black folk need to understand what time it is. So, so yes, that's a general message, and that's a specific message to the men in our community. It's you know it's funny, and Delano, thank you. I'm gonna I'm let you go. Great job as always. Have a great weekend. Have a great Father's Day. Uh, this reparations thing, like if if they give black people reparations, all it is is a payoff you to continue to swallow the LGBTQ stuff. That, that's what it really is. It, it has nothing, it will not benefit us as a whole. Uh, they've printed so much money, we don't even understand how devalued it is. But it, it's really just a bribe to get you on board with the LGBT. It's, it's what, what, I mean, we talk about it all the time, but what price would you put on your soul? There's no, there's no dollar you can give me to sell my soul out. And we see what reparations look like in real life. <clears throat> Have you ever been to a Native American reservation? 
You see what they go through? There, there's only one group in this country that competes at the bottom of the median household income. Native Americans. There's only one group in this country that competes uh, that that, uh, that competes with the suicide rate of white men. Native Americans. There's only one group in this country that competes with uh, the drug addiction and alcoholism of people, and, and that are Native Americans. And they had every style of reparations you can think of. Like every style, you name it, they've gotten it. That's why the most successful Native Americans are the people that move away from the reservations, because once you leave the reservation, you can't benefit anymore. Uh, and secondly, with the LGBT thing. They have to be crafty with that. Bryson, I would say, I want you to dwell on that for a little bit because I don't think most people have heard what you're talking about. That's, that's new information in terms of like, they gave Native Americans reparations. Maybe they weren't called reparations specifically, oh, they, they yeah. but it was reparations. And, and, in every form. Yes, and, and we think somehow this is gonna be good for us. No. No, it, no, it's like a check so they can, free. you know what, I, and I, I hate to. Don't even pay taxes on, on, on reservations. They don't even gotta pay tax, taxes. They basically, look, it, it's, here's, I'm gonna talk a little bit street, I'm gonna try not to use the words, but we have a, in my family and in Indianapolis, it's like when someone, you loan somebody $500 and uh, they don't pay you back, we go, oh, I own that N-word. Mm-hmm. And he, I'll never have to deal with him again. My grandfather used to, there, there was a guy that lived across the street that owed my grandfather like $1,000. And my grandfather used to laugh when he'd walk down the street. <laughs> That's that N-word I own. He won't even look over this way because he knows I, owe, I own him, blah, blah. And, and that's literally, when, when you accept that check, they're giggling and laughing and say, I own you now. You can't, don't come ask me for another effing thing. I don't have to worry about you. I don't have to think about you. That's what they did to Native Americans. We're going to put you off in a little reservation. You ain't got to pay taxes. Go away. Go drink this whiskey. Go smoke this dope. Yep. Go kill yourself. Go do. That's, it's a brilliant point you're making. Yeah, a lot of people don't realize it because a lot of people, they, people do focus on themselves. They don't think, like, okay, has this happened before? And, like even everything a lot of these pro-black organizations talk about. Well, we don't want to have to pay taxes or we want to check. You know what I'm saying? Native Americans got that. Not only that, they, they got their own land that the government that the government gave them. You know what I'm saying? And they, they can stay there, basically rent free, do, do, whatever, do whatever they want. Matter of fact, they can open up a casino and they can have benefits uh, from benefit from the casino that regular people can't have. If me and you open up a casino, we don't get the same benefits that Native Americans have when they open up casinos. Um, they gave them everything they need, and, and, and the people are still are still struggling. And, and um, I don't know what the Native American community feel about it, but a few I talked to, they said, "Well, well, it wasn't enough," or something like that. And, and, and sometimes they say, uh, "Well, it's corrupt because the, the money goes to the head of the tribe," I think, and then they have to give it out. It's corrupt. I'm like, "Yeah, humans are. Yeah, that's." A lot of humans are corrupt. So what do you think going to happen? <laughs> it's no different. We've done it in an unofficial way. Of There's all these little set-aside benefits for black elites. Yep. That they get to live off in this little special thing, and they get to pretend like, oh, once I get this promotion to president of such and such, this money's going to trickle down and impact poor black people. No, it's not. Nope. 
it's no different than the women from BLM. Oh, once we get all this money, what do we do? Move out to a gated white community as far away from black people as possible. None of that money actually touched black people on the street. It just favored a few little educated blacks that bought into the Marxist theology and whatever. It, it, the native, wow, what a powerful. I mean, who owns, I mean, <clears throat> you can go to any black neighborhood. Go to the, go to the, go to the gas station. They all owned by Indians. Everyone steals. So all these black folks that get this money, they don't never go back and build within their community ever. You go, you go to that, you go to Jay Z old neighborhood. Go to the gas station. See, see, see who run it. You go to Oprah old neighborhood. It won't, it won't be black folk doing it. And this is just the, uh, you know, the reality of it. Great point. I, I may have to follow up on that next week. Hey guys, I want to tell you about uh, one of our newest partners. Uh, partner, I'm very excited about. Uh, I've been talking about them for a couple of weeks. Uh, Wynn Fisher and Naturally It's Clean. Wynn came to Nashville, we sat down, talked for an hour or so, talked to me about his product, Naturally It's Clean. It provides effective cleaning products using powerful plant-based enzymes. These are hospital-grade solutions that won't reek of nasty chemicals. Bob Vila says Naturally It's Clean has the most eco-friendly carpet stain remover on the market today. I personally love these products. I have them in my home. I've given them to my mother. She's using them and enjoying them. I love that everything is manufactured right here in the US of A and that they offer free two-day shipping on all cleaning kits. Their Essential Starter Kit, which features four of their most popular products is one of their top selling items. My audience can get an additional 15% off for a limited time by visiting naturallyitsclean.com fearless. Keep your home clean and support companies like Naturally Is Clean while you do it because they support you and your conservative Christian values. I talked with Wynn Fisher, the founder of the company, personally. He lives in Indiana. We hit it off. This guy has our values. We need to be, he's got a great product. Just buy the product just because it's a great product, but also know that you're helping a business that believes in what we believe in and supports our values. Get the starter kit, naturallyitsclean.com slash fearless. That's naturallyitsclean.com slash fearless. You won't take my word for it. If you won't take Bob Vila's word for it, if your wife or girlfriend actually buys the cleaning products, doesn't get a better endorsement than Ali Best Stucky. She loves this stuff. She's on their website. She supports it. Guys, tell your wife, girlfriend, mom, whomever, or go get it yourself, naturallyitsclean.com slash fearless. Support the businesses that support us. All right. We're going to have a special little fire starter uh, when we come back. And then, right after that special fire starter, it's about the Dodgers and it's, it's beautifully done. Then Shamika Michelle is going to join us and we're going to uh, debut Reclaiming the Rainbow by Shamika, Bryson, Jimmy. It's an awesome, awesome song. Stay tuned, Shamika Michelle. Back. It's my obligation, no hate, discrimination, raising up your hands for freedom. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. 
All right, welcome back. Oh, I don't know if I've been more excited for a segment than I am uh, right now. Man, when I say Bryson Gray, Shamika Michelle, and Jimmy Levy crushed, crushed a song, a song so appropriate for the time that we're in right now, uh, it's Pride Night for the L.A. Dodgers tonight. Uh, and it's been controversial. They Remember they invited the Sisters of Perpetual Indulgence. And when that controversy popped off, I called Bryce and I was like, man, we need a song about the rainbow and getting the rainbow back. And we got to take ownership. Let's take, they're culturally appropriating our stuff. Let's snatch it back. And Bryson was like, immediately just got excited. And I didn't have to do anything else. Next thing I know, like, holy cow, him and Shamika sent me verses. And I was like, are you kidding me? Y'all did this how? And then Bryson was like, man, I got this perfect dude to sing the chorus. Oh, we got to have Jimmy. And it, you tell the story how you. Y'all recorded this with a sock or what? Yeah, so so first I want to give a shout out to uh, Don Troches, who's one of my producers. He's a st staunch Christian conservative. Uh, he made the beat. I made him redo it seven times. So I know he, he was getting irritated, but I said I had a vision. And um, then after that, I sent it to Shamika. She came to my house, we recorded it, and we were trying to figure out how to get Jimmy's hook because he was having issues with the studio. So we, was all, we were all in New York together. I brought my studio equipment. And uh, one of the main pieces of a studio is a pop filter. If nobody knows what a pop filter is, it's to stop the p -p from being overly emphasized on, on, on music. That's why you never hear a p -p heavy. And if you do, it's because somebody sucks at recording, you know. And I left the pop filter at home. So we're in, we're in New York. I said, I got a clean sock. And that's the old school gangster way. Back in the day, if you had a home studio, you ain't had no pop filter, you put a sock on a mic, you know what I'm saying, you go with it. So we put a sock on a mic, I had the microphone connected to the lamp in the hotel room. Yes, it was, <laughs> it was, it was crazy how we set it up. And I thought we were kicked out the hotel because when Jimmy was singing, when he sings the high notes, he gets very loud. And I was like, oh man, somebody gonna definitely come up in here and tell us to stop. But nobody came. It came out beautiful. I, I reviewed it to make sure it sounded good. It sounded, it sounded amazing. Um, and then even for the video, I had to <laughs> go to Florida yesterday. <laughs> yeah, this has been, and we're not even gonna tell you the best story. I've banned Shamika and Bryson from telling the best story <laughs> about the studio here in Nashville. That, that'll be behind, that'll be a, when, when y'all win an Emmy or a yeah. Grammy, when y'all win a Grammy for this, y'all can tell that story then. Uh, but this has been incredible. And then, look, I knew Shamika was talented, and, and I still got kind of like, did Bryson write these bars? Ooh. Shamika, did, did, I'm going to ask you, on, did Bryson write them bars or did you write them? I wrote them and Bryson just, he sent me the music and I have to thank him for just allowing me to be me. It was like he expected me to be Shamika and anytime I got nervous, even during the um, video shoot, he just kept saying, just do Shamika, just be Shamika. And so thank you Bryson for that. But no, I wrote it. <laughs> All right, well, I don't wanna, I can't overhype the song. The song is awesome, but I don't want to overhype it. Let's play it. Let's let the audience enjoy it. The video turned out great. It's a collaboration between, I can't pronounce Jason's last name. He did the editing. And then Justin Kraut uh, jumped in and did some editing here this morning to get 
the whole package together. This, this is God is hand is involved. First time I heard the song and it's a rap song. I, I, I cried because I was like, I can't believe the little dude that, uh, and I wasn't a little dude, but in college, I was the first guy on Ball State's campus with NWA music. Yeah. I was first, I drive right, y'all heard this NWA again? And I'm like, that guy is now helping people make this kind of music, and it just made me thank God and get emotional. But it, it, let's play the video before I get emotional. The Dodgers have reversed course again. The team was criticized for inviting a specific group to Pride Night at Dodger Stadium, then criticized again for uninviting them. A short time ago, the team announced it was re-inviting them. It's written in the first book of Genesis to Satan It is a promise, it is in pride, God said he would no longer flood the earth Aye. Now it's for abominations, when they put the flags outside your church Hey, Deuteronomy 22, 5, now you got grown men wearing these skirts L.A. Dodgers mocking God, but soon they'll all be reimbursed It's about the covenant, not about pride They mark our lotus, we sit to the side Who gon' bow down, who gon' set up for God? Borders the line, the wicked gon' hide And all the media telling you lies Christ ain't come for peace, he came to divide And that's Luke 1251 Give versus evil, it's time to decide Can't be Luke 1, but you gon' pick a side Satan use politics as a disguise I say America needs to repent No politician can stop our demise Spreading in the first book of Genesis To Satan perverted New. We say the word woman and be referring to do. Said I hope you putting pops offended and you feel attacked. Cause I'm here to stand the village to take the rainbow back. And we're rising like a nation, calling out sin, no hesitation. Should we can play nice, no obligation. I'ma call it what it is. Abomination. And I'm snatching, I ain't asking. Got an animal instinct, Carol Baskin. My tongue is the gun, yeah, the assassin. Love is love, brr, nasty. Taste the rainbow. No thanks, I'd rather die. Unless it's God show. Sign up in the sky Take a line from Tina T Like what's gay love got to do with me I got a rainbow on my neck And I can't
Man, man, man. I, I, I love it. Absolutely awesome. Awesome, awesome, awesome. I, I Like I said, Jimmy Levy just had a number one song on Apple uh, for the Target song. Okay, Target. You've had several. Uh, Listen, I, I, I feel like we got this is a hit, man. Yes. I mean, hopefully if everybody watching this, get it on iTunes. Just type in uh, Bryson Gray reclaimed the rainbow or Shamika Michelle reclaimed the rainbow or Jimmy Levy reclaimed the rainbow. Uh, it'll pop up on iTunes. Let's try to get it number one. It, it, what is the key? Are there other ways that people to support in terms of should we go to Instagram? Should we Twitter? We're obviously going to tweet it out and put it on YouTube. We, we got to get people sharing it everywhere. Got to share it. Maybe hashtag Reclaim the Rainbow on Twitter. Try to get that trending. Spotify me wherever you can support, however you can support. It's obviously appreciated. Uh, Shamika, have you, how much experience do you have in music? Is this, is this your first music video? It's the first music video where I was actually participating and not just, you know, like a video girl or something like that. And as far as music, I did Bryson's MAGA Challenge back in 2019. And I think it was 2017, I did a diss uh, verse to Trick Daddy. <laughs> so, I mean, I like to listen to music, and so I, I've grown up listening to music. I tell you all all the time, West Coast rap was my favorite. And so, you know, I guess I just learned from listening to it. <laughs> it sounds like you're me in terms of I'm someone, a Tupac Shakur guy, oh, he's the GOAT, blah, blah, blah. But I listen to it now, and I'm repulsed by most of it. And I, I'm, I, but I, I, no one would have ever pictured like Jason, because I, I, you know, being friends with Tech Nine in Kansas City, I've been involved in a lot of rap music things, uh, radio shows, or I've had custom rap songs made, and TV shows I've had custom rap songs made, and you know, supporting those, all the guys in Kansas City from the 57th Street, Rogue Dog Villains to Tech Nine to Chris Calico to, I can't even think of all, all the guys, but I ne no one would have ever said, oh yeah, Jason's gonna help people make Christian rap. Uh, did you see yourself being a Christian rapper, Shamika? Not at all. As a matter of fact, every time I said, you know, like, you know, I came down first to actually record and then came back to do the video, people were like, what? So, I mean, like, what are you doing in it? Are you are you singing? Are you? And I'm like, no, I have a verse. And everybody's kind of like, OK, like. Let me know when, you know, we can hear it because people know I can carry a tune a little bit. But as far as rapping, even with the, the MAGA challenge, you know, friends and stuff don't follow politics like that. So they didn't really get a hold of the MAGA challenge. People just, you know, I guess forgot or don't know. And so the fact that I would actually go on to do a Christian rap is even surprising to me. And so, you know, when you talked about the fact that you cried, 
I got a little teary-eyed myself because, again, I always say, I walked away from this. You know, I walked away from anything that I felt like resembled Christianity because it was, I was just sick of the foolishness. You know, I was telling you just the other day, <clears throat> excuse me, that I feel like the church is dead, like the church is not doing what they're supposed to do to get these messages out or to fight this evil. And so this gives me an opportunity to fight evil and do something good in my own way. You know, I'm not in a church. I'm not behind a pulpit, but I'm still actually getting a message out. So this for me was a great way to actually still be able to do what I feel like God has put me on this earth to do and to have fun doing it and to, you know, enjoy it. And so I'm excited to see what the song actually does because no, I never thought I would be like, if somebody had told me that, I'm sure I would have laughed at them and said, absolutely no way. But it was fun to do. It was interesting to do. And actually, I got a call while I was working on my verse and he ticked me off because he was like, you know, what are you doing? And I said, well, I'm working on a verse for this song. I'm going to be with this Christian rapper and I'm doing a verse on his song. And um, he goes about what? And I said, the title is, you know, Reclaim the Rainbow. And his first words were, oh, you're going to be gay bashing. And I got so upset because I was like, what more can I say than what God has already said? And that just kind of propelled me to be like, okay, let me, let me just say what I got to say and, and drop it like it's hot and leave it right there. <laughs> Bryson and I, I can't remember if we've talked about it on the show. I know I've talked about it privately, but, but I, I listen to this song and I listen to others. I listen to your music. I listen to Bizzle. And, and Christian rap hits, you, hits me in the way that uh, old school rap used to hit me. You know, it, it like speaks to my soul. And I, I, I think that's a reflection of how much I've changed but it's also a reflection of it now takes enormous courage to quote the Bible and to say I'm standing on the Bible that the real gangsters are the Christian rappers. Facts. And I've been saying that. Matter of fact, a few people have been saying I was the Christian Tupac. <laughs> Literally. <laughs> Last week. But so hip hop was always meant to be counterculture. Hip, hip hop was always meant to be pushed back, uh, meant, meant to be the pushback. I mean, think about it. What's more aggressive than, than, than rap music? You know what I'm saying? Rap music is in your face. Rap music is not to sit by and be smooth. The rap is like, I'm here, what's up? And uh, it has gone away from that now, and everybody's gay. But uh, so, so the Christian rappers, are, are, well, the ones that are not afraid to speak the truth, biblically, like Bizzle, uh, like me, like Isaiah Robbins, like Tyson James, like Karen the Light, we're giving it to you. It's, it's a music, the beat's still hard, the hook's still catchy. But we're giving it to you from God, and it's music with a message, but you can still ride in a car with it. You know what I'm saying? So I think that's why it's having such an impact, and I hope it like continues to grow. One of the things that you do in conversation and in your music that I think is so powerful, and that's why you know part of the process this morning was getting some of the words on screen. I it seems like every rap song, or most of them, you quote scripture. Yes, you sir. mentioned scripture. Yes, sir. And and 
there's nothing more powerful. There's no more powerful form of communication. And so we wanted to get those words on screen and, and give people uh, this song and this video and the whole thing is so powerful. And it, it's, it's, it's what I love them calling you the Christian Tupac. And I'm hoping that this is your dear mama. And I'm sure you've made other songs that had powerful messages. Is this, do, do you have songs similar to this or you put on the same kind of vein as, as this one? Uh, I, ha well, I have songs obviously way more offensive than this, but um, <laughs> the thing I think is special about this song is I think this is one of those songs anybody can listen to. Um, so it, it, if you like singing, you know what I'm saying, you have a real singer. It's like Jimmy Levy is a no regular author. No, Jimmy is a singer for real. And he's singing about God. You got the rap. You got me glorifying God. You got Shamika coming at it from another angle, different voice, different flow, to, uh, 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 come at a situation and combating wickedness from the standpoint of the Bible, from the standpoint of God. Um, and I don't think you can get more powerful than that. In the middle of June, by the way. Yeah, in the middle of June. Dodgers Pride Night. We got a special song for them, an anthem uh, they should play tonight. Shamika, I, I'm going to throw a curveball. Uh, I don't want to talk about this other stuff. Uh, <laughs> I really just wanted to talk about this video. I'm so uh, pleased with this video. Uh, play the video again and we'll go to a break and come back uh, with Steve Kim. The Dodgers have reversed course again. The team was criticized for inviting a specific group to Pride Night at Dodger Stadium, then criticized again for uninviting them. A short time ago, the team announced it was re-inviting them. It's written in the first book of Genesis To Satan perverted It is a promise, it is in pride God said he would no longer flood the earth Now it's for abominations When they put the flags outside your church Ay, Deuteronomy 22.5 Now you got grown men wearing these skirts L.A. Dodgers mocking God But soon they'll all be reimbursed It's about the covenant, not about pride They mark our lotus, we sit to the side Who gon' bow down, who gon' set up for God Voters align, the wicked gon' hide And all the media telling you lies Christ ain't come for peace, he came to divide And that's Luke 12.51 Give versus evil, it's time to decide Can't be Luke wrong, cause you gon' pick a side Saying you pop Die. Unless it's God. 
up in the sky Take a lot from Tina T Like what's gay love got to do with me I got a rainbow on my neck and I can't The LGBTQIA plus alphabet mafia can fly the mission accomplished flag above the sports world. They won. The Los Angeles Dodgers officially surrendered on behalf of the wide world of sports. The Dodgers apologized to the Sisters of Perpetual Indulgence, a group of gay men who mock religious faith by dressing as Catholic nuns. Women who devote their lives to honoring God and serving man. The baseball franchise bowed to the outrage of Catholics and disinvited the blasphemous group of drag queens to the organization's annual Pride Night. The Dodgers backtracked. Writing, quote, in a statement, after much thoughtful feedback from our diverse communities, honest conversations with the Los Angeles Dodgers organization, and generous discussions with the Sisters of Perpetual Indulgence, the Los Angeles Dodgers would like to offer our sincerest apologies to the Sisters of Perpetual Indulgence, members of the LGBTQ community, and their friends and families. We have asked the Sisters of Perpetual Indulgence to take their place on the field at our 10th annual LGBTQ plus Pride Night on June 16th. We are pleased to share that they have agreed to receive the gratitude of our collective communities for the life-saving work they have done tirelessly for decades. It's a wrap. Mission accomplished. The sports world favors sexual and gender identity over religious faith. Worse, sports league have disavowed their founders. You realize who organized sports. It wasn't lesbians, gays, bisexuals, transgenders, and queers. It was the Young Men's Christian Association, the YMCA. Founded in the UK in the mid-1800s, the YMCA aspired to promote muscular Christianity across the globe. Muscular Christianity, according to Wikipedia, refers to belief in patriotic duty, discipline, self-sacrifice, masculinity, and the moral and physical beauty of athleticism. Major League Baseball, the National Football League, the National Basketball Association, and every other American sports league owe their founding to the YMCA. I bet most people, including athletes, do not know what the letters in YMCA mean. 
The Alphabet Mafia co-opted the acronym in the late 1970s with the Village People Gay Anthem, YMCA. There's a pattern here. The secular co-opt the customs, symbols, and institutions Christians build. Ivy League schools started as Bible seminaries. The rainbow symbolizes God's promise to never again flood the earth. Organized sports were designed to promote muscular Christianity. The Catholic Church, through its Catholic youth organization, led the charge to integrate sports. Founded in Chicago in 1930, the CYO adopted a core principle not to discriminate on the basis of race, religion, or gender. Jackie Robinson likely would not have donned a Dodgers uniform in 1947 had it not been for the work of the CYO. The Sisters of Perpetual Indulgence mocked the religious faith of a group that has a near 100-year history of supporting and improving organized sports. St. Mary's Industrial School for Boys taught Babe Ruth how to play baseball. John the Evangelist Catholic School trained Cowboys legend Roger Stallback. Power Memorial Catholic Academy developed Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. St. Vincent St. Mary High School cultivated LeBron James. Catholic high schools are often criticized for recruiting top athletes, particularly black ones. Most people are unaware that the CYO Little Leagues and high school powerhouses are part of a religious mission that started in the 1930s, long before sports were flooded with money and outsized prestige. The proponents of critical race theory love to complain about the history that isn't taught. They never complain about the positive history that is ignored. LeBron James has no idea his wealth is a direct byproduct of the Young Men's Christian Association and the Catholic Youth Organization. Professional athletes would rather ally with the alphabet mafia than Christians. People who see their primary identity as sexual have and had nothing to do with the rise of professional sports. It's the people whose primary identity is based in their relationship with Christ who built the sports world and almost everything else we enjoy in America. The Dodgers and the sports world have betrayed their founders. It's sickening. It's sickening that the broadcasters and pundits earning millions of dollars talking about sports will not discuss the betrayal. Stephen A. Smith, Dan Lebitard, Shannon Sharp, Pat McAfee, Dave Portnoy, Jalen Rose, Mina Kimes, and all the rest are grifters eating off a table set by Christians. They're too uninformed or too cowardly to defend the faith that made their wealth and popularity possible. The same cowardice and stupidity afflicts the athletes. They're ungrateful. They're too high on weed or too filled with pride to recognize their treason. Their handlers tell them what to think, who to support, and what to ignore. Many of the athletes feign religious faith. How can they ignore Pride Night? There are few things made more clear in the Bible than the evil and destructiveness of pride. Proverbs 16 and 5. Everyone that is proud in heart is an abomination to the Lord. Be sure of this. They will not go unpunished. Pride is the gateway drug to idolatry. The LGBTQ plus have placed their sexual and gender identity 
well above their identity in Christ. They're taking pride in being outside the body of Christ. That is their right. As American citizens, they have every right to do that. As a Christian, I don't have to celebrate their foolish decision. I don't have to play along and pretend Pride Night is a good thing. It's a celebration of secular values. It's a celebration of being in disobedience to God. The Young Men's Christians Association laid the foundation for Major League Baseball and all sports leagues. Professional sports are the wrong platform to mock religious faith. That should be done on Bill Maher's HBO show or other comedy stages. It's blasphemous on a baseball diamond, a football field, and a basketball court. All right, welcome back. Uh, time for your favorite part of the show and my least favorite part of the show. I have to put up with the Korean Cosell uh, before my weekend gets fully underway. Uh, Cosell, uh, welcome back to the show. Uh, the audience loves you. I tolerate you. Uh, Adam Silver, the commissioner of the NBA, delayed announcing this 25-game suspension for Ja mm -hmm. Morant because he didn't want to overshadow the NBA Finals or whatever. Had everybody think, oh, man, he's going to get a half-season suspe half suspension, a full-season suspension. He got a slap on the wrist, 25 games for his gun-toting and gun-bragging and trying to be Tupac Shakur. Uh, do you have a problem with uh, Adam Silver's light, very light punishment of Ja Morant? Well, before we get started, I want to tell the audience, uh, in the words of Terrell Owens, old T.O., I love some me too. Thank you. We are in complete agreement. <laughs> in fact, my segments are the favorite part of my show. But yeah, as it relates to Adam Silver, I saw your tweet, Jason, and you're right. Adam Silver cares too much about being liked and not being respected. Now, we can argue all day and night about if the suspension was excessive or if it was much too lenient. I'm on your side. It does feel a little lenient. I didn't agree with the season-long suspension. That felt a tad punitive. In my view, a half-season suspension seemed fair, along with the eight games that he was already banned from. So, yeah, he didn't get shot in the head. He just got pistol-whipped very lightly. But again, and I'm seeing it now. He got his Here's hand slapped. He didn't get pistol whip. Okay, maybe very softly uh, with the butt. Maybe not like the pistol end. But, uh, but again, what about Favre? I'm hearing that already. I'm, I'm hearing people saying, well, what if it was a white player with country music? And my view is, all right, first let's see that and let's give him the same suspension then. I, I don't get this. I mean, look. The people that will tell you that no laws were broken are correct. However, uh, there was already an edict placed by John Morant or the league to him. You can't do this. Knock it off. Don't do it. And what's he do a week or two later? Waving that thing like he's Calamity Jane. So, again, his biggest crime here is being kind of stupid and not showing a lot of common sense. But, yeah, again, the bottom line, this feels very, very light. Look, man, people are acting like this is a one-off incident or even a yeah. two-off incident. There's all the other allegations. There's 
the high school kid saying he pulled a gun on him. Mm -hmm. There's the incidents at the mall with the reports from the mall security. There's the Indiana Pacers mm -hmm. staffers who say John Morant was in a car that focused a red dot inside of their car threatening them. There's all of this other stuff related to John Morant. When I sit here and think about 25 games, what is that like, 82-game uh, schedule? Is that 25% of the season, 30%? I, I don't know. Yeah, but, but Big Ben Roethlisberger, without any convictions, he got a six-game suspension in the NFL from Roger Goodell, and, and, and I think it got maybe reduced to four. I can't remember, but I, I, I don't You know, 25-game slap on the wrist. Uh, he's learned nothing. He defy You turn around and do the same thing two weeks later. He he's learned nothing. Adam Silver is the parent that lets <laughs> all the high school kids come over and drink beer and smoke weed and every. Oh, they're the cool parent. They're the cool parent. They're the idiot parent that's trying to be best friends with their kids rather than the parent. And and Adam Silver is so petrified of someone playing the race card on him and him getting run out of the NBA the way they did Donald Sterling or anybody else or the the Phoenix Suns owner that that he's afraid to actually discipline his players. Yeah, Adam Tinfoil is a limp-wristed leader. He really is. And you show me a player's coach, and I'll show you one that loses. He is the Larry Coker of commissioners. I mean, he really is. Here's the other thing, though, Jason, uh, you talked about the full depth of the transgressions of Morant. Let's say into the future or one of these incidents breaks out where now there's gunplay, where there's actually shots fired, whether it's in the arena, at the team hotel or anywhere that he's at. Then people are going to say, oh, no, the league didn't do enough. And I'm thinking to myself, well, then it's a perpetual catch 22 situation where it's never about personal accountability. It's about blaming those who would not then discipline them because of the pressure they feel on social media. And the other thing is, what is 25 games in today's NBA? Jason, that's called load management. So I'm going to say one thing about Morant. When you come back in the 26th game of the year, for that one year, the rest of that season, you better be A.C. Green or Randy Smith. You better not be taking one game off this upcoming season. OK, because you're right, because the other thing that gets me about the Grizzlies is I wonder if they think, you know, is this even worth it? This guy's a perpetual headache. He's not going to get any better in terms of his behavior, in terms of his player value. It might be at its apex. I wonder, is there any talk of the Grizzlies calling around the league saying, look, we know he's an issue. We're going to be fair about this. But if you want an ultra talented physical talent. That's pretty exciting. What can we get for him? You know who should put a call in? Utah. Get 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 John Morant Utah. out of Memphis and get him get him to Utah. You yeah, well, there's nothing to, to do. You want to bore him to that guy? Just might go to the shooting range every day now. Oh, come on. Look, um, we should discipline him, not punish him. Come on, Jay. Have a heart. Have a heart. I don't want him man. in Indiana. I don't want him with my Pacers. There's already enough problems there. Uh, I'm trying to, problems there. What are the yeah. other boring, allegedly boring cities in the NBA that he could be sent to? Milwaukee? But, man, yeah, he can find that thug life in Milwaukee. I, okay. There's no place to send him. Jason, can I – 
Can I ask you a serious question that's kind of funny? What's more embarrassing for the yeah. league? John Morant situation or Zion Williamson? I mean, oh, Momo, Mariah Mills is still tweeting at him. I mean, she is she is more relentless than a Julio Cesar Chavez body attack in the late 80s. I, I'm just watching this going, oh, come on, girl. I mean, Zion, I'm going to tell you something. I still kind of care about you, young man. If you have a pet bunny rabbit, keep it in safe distance of anybody. Keep it at a, at a relative's house because that thing might be boiled by the weekend. This this is obsession, bro. Oh, my God. Momo, come on. Move on. Move on, please. I'm going to tell you please. why it's not as embarrassing, that situation, Zion Williamson, because most of the NBA and many of the people who make a living talking about the NBA are sitting there going, oh, but for the grace of God, there go I. <laughs> 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 They're all ain't nobody wanted. No one wants to touch this because they don't want to set off their jump off right. on a on a Twitter screed, and so th no, they're no, going to ignore this till it goes away. Uh, never slam dunk in a glass house. I know what you're saying, Jason. I, I, I completely <laughs> get that point. Trust me. Trust me. Uh, Michael Jordan is having his last dance with the Charlotte Hornets. Oh. Uh, the NBA is is losing its Nelson Mandela of ownership. The NBA <laughs> will now I, I th isn't Mike the only black owner in the NBA, so now they'll be just as racist as the NFL. Uh, but Mike Jordan is selling the Charlotte Hornets. Uh, your thoughts? You know, I'm so glad he's not selling it off to LeBron. That's the great thing. Uh, I read. <laughs> that he bought this for a little under 200 million and now he's selling his shares for 1.7 billion. Now, this guy's winning more than Ooh. Charlie Shane on a bender. You got to give this guy credit. And I wonder if it's like, I wonder what Scotty Pippen's thinking right now. Here is Scotty doing all this chirping about the greatest of all time. Right. And then this guy just says, yeah, you know what? I'm kind of bored with this whole basketball thing. I'm good. I'm just going to sell my shoes and my apparel, by the way, Mike, very good quality. Thanks. Um, I'm just going to make a cool 1.7 B. I, I wonder, though, what Mike's going to do, though, because men like him need a purpose. Now, unless he's wired like Jimmy Johnson, who just said, look, I'm just going to hang out at the beach and drink Heineken's on ice for the rest of my life and do a little bit of TV four months out of the year. I, I wonder what Jordan's plans are, because, you know, it's interesting about about him as an individual, Jason, as a celebrity. I do respect the fact that despite being still one of the most famous people on earth, even today, in my view, he's relatively quiet. He doesn't do social media. He doesn't do all that much media. Um, let me tell you a story. When I watched the Air movie at that theater that used to go to all the time by L.A. Live, my Uber was this African gentleman, very nice guy, and we started talking. And I could tell he was from Africa because of his accent. And he, we started talking, well, what movie did you watch? And I said, oh, the one about air, about Michael Jordan. And he, and he began to explain to me that even in his country, growing up in the 80s, that there was two people that everyone knew in that continent, in his country. There were two Mikes, Jordan and Jackson. And he said, everyone else we don't really care about. But in American culture, it was those two guys. And he goes, he goes you know what? And the guy told me, so that movie's about Michael Jordan. I go, well, it's really about his shoes. And he goes, you know what? I'm still going to go watch it. And I, and I found that fascinating in a lot of ways. Uh, Steve, uh, my quarterback, Patrick Mahomes,
Mm, he's a mm, little mm. woke for me, but he is the quarterback of mm. my team, the Kansas City Chiefs. Uh, he's got a beef going, a, kind of a one-sided beef, with Jamar Chase and the Cincinnati Bengals, the rivalry between the Bengals and the Chiefs. Jamar Chase uh, fired off a Pat Who comment, mm, and mm-hmm. uh, Patrick Mahomes took to Twitter and showed his rings and said, that's who. And anyway, this back and forth, I think, is actually good. This rivalry between Joe Burrow, Patrick Mahomes, the Bengals, and the Kansas City Chiefs. Uh, The Bengals got some work to do, though. Uh, They don't have two Super Bowl rings like Patrick Mahomes. But, you know, I I think the people over in Cincinnati believe they have the best quarterback in the league. And it looks like we have our next Tom Brady uh, Peyton Manning rivalry, Joe Burrow and Patrick Mahomes. Given the fact that Mahomes was addressing the Bengals, he should have really replied, who they? Who they? Who they think is going <laughs> to win a Super Bowl? Not them, because they haven't. I actually like it, though. What is one of our main complaints, Jason, about modern-day sports? There are no rivalries. The guys don't care. They trade jerseys. They're okay with losing, and everything is so transient, and there is no identity with particular individuals to a city and a franchise. If Jamar Chase believes that, hey, my destiny is tied to the Bengals and my quarterback, Joey Football, and we're going to do big things, and our target is Mahomes in Kansas City, I love that. We need more of that. We need players to be a little bit more, I don't want to say loyal, because I I get it, it's a very, very short career. But I would much rather have this type of rhetoric and talk and action than Stephon Diggs. I, I find that to be completely distasteful. I really do. If I'm the Buffalo Bills, And I know you and TJ talked about it yesterday. I'd say you're stuck here. But I love the fact that Jamar Chase is talking about achievement while a guy like Diggs is just pouting. Uh, And so Steve Kim just pulled a Steve Kim. He got ahead of me. I wasn't quite done with Pat Mahomes and and Jamar Chase. But you've you've moved the conversation as you're prone to do. And so let's go there. What's your problem? Or, Or I take it you agree with me. I think Stephon Diggs wants out of Buffalo, and that's what this is all about. He's going to pout and cry and pick a fight with Josh Allen and, and try to get his way out of Buffalo. He's been there three years. He thinks, hey, Josh Allen is good. I, I think he's trying to say basically, but he ain't Pat Mahomes and Joe Burrow good, and it's cold up here. Let me get to Dallas somewhere fun with my brother. Let me get to the New York Jets with Aaron Rodgers. Let me get somewhere Uh, Out of this cold in Buffalo, out of this isolation in Buffalo, I tried it here. It was cool, but, you know, probably not going to win a Super Bowl here. Let me get someplace else. Where have you gone, Andre Reid? And you know what? In fact, where have you gone, Eric Mould? Look, they pay him well. If this was a contract dispute or where he doesn't have a contract, it's not a holdout and he's the GOAT, I get it. That's fair game. What he's doing, it's one of the issues that I think many people have with modern-day athletes. They have no sense of responsibility. I mean, it's the athletic version of not having sacred honor. You're in a good situation. Here's the issue. With the way the salary cap works, does he really think there's room on the Chiefs roster or the Bengals roster? I'm just trying to ask him, like, where do you go? Say what you want about Josh Allen, and I thought he regressed just a little bit last year, but he's still an elite quarterback. If he wants to have it all, like a modern-day career woman, right, so he wants to be paid well and in a warm 
warm city environment where there's more media opportunities. Okay, but what if your quarterback's bad and then your numbers go down? Now we're going to have to put up with you pouting and whining on the sideline every game, which, by the way, he did that at the end of the playoff loss, which which was okay by me because he's frustrated. That was about six months ago. Stefan, you are a cornerstone of that franchise. They have treated you well. Josh Allen values you. Make it work. It, it's time that, that teams start placating these malcontents and just say, listen, buddy, there's a thing called a contract. Unless we get a deal that we want, I don't want to say you're stuck here, but you're stuck here. Look, I, I, I think he got his money. He just got a big contract, I think, yeah. last year. So he got paid. That contract will fall in wherever he goes. I, I, I honestly think it's this kind of immaturity and just like it's just like Buffalo's not fun and it's not even about being in warm weather it's just it's so isolated and and trust me when I say this these guys are worried about man it man it's it's expensive to flew someone out to Buffalo yeah. or whatever they call it, flowed out, flew out or whatever. Much easier if you're in the center of the country and you can fly them in from Miami or New York or L.A. or you could be in one of those cities rather than in Buffalo where I'm just, I tell you that that's what I think this is all about. He's got a bag of money. He's, his brother is in Dallas having more fun than him mm. and, and he just wants to be someplace where he can have a bit more fun than Buffalo. And I, I think he's going to pick a fight with uh, Josh. He's already picked one. And Josh Allen's already fallen on a sword and acting like he's done something wrong and I didn't handle it right or blah, blah, blah. Just I, I, These receivers have so much leverage over a white quarterback that Josh Allen's going to be on his knees kissing this guy's butt because he knows what side the media will take if there's ever a dispute between the two. Are you sure about that? I, I would hope the media has enough guts to actually tell the truth. And these things, I'm just being, yeah, I know, I know. I, I, I forgot where I was at. But anyway, Josh Allen, to me, should hold his ground. He's the team leader. It's his job to hold this together. Stephon Diggs gets no sympathy from me. Not that it matters, not that he cares. But I do know this, and I know the game has changed. I know the culture has changed. Guys like Jerry Rice all the way to Michael Irvin, when they were expected to be in the team facilities for workouts, whether they were voluntary or mandatory, they were there. They were there. Ask them. Even Michael Irvin, for all the stuff he did outside, he had a commitment to Troy Aikman and the Dallas Cowboys. Certainly Jerry Rice did. Jerry Rice literally never took a day off. Um, again, so let's go back to the guy we're talking about. If Jamar Chase wants to put his money where his mouth is, he's got to be like those guys that we talked about. If you want to get to the greatness – there's a price to pay. And by the way, Jason, these are professional athletes. That means being a pro. This is a profession. And being, a, being part of a profession doesn't mean everything is fun or convenient. Okay? So I, I know we, spe we expect the lowest type of behavior from today's modern-day athlete. But at a certain point, if we ever want to change it, everybody involved, specifically the organizations, have to start holding these young adults accountable. Uh, Steve, are you done? Or can can I start my you, weekend? You got anything yeah, else? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, you got. I, I don't have anywhere to be. How you doing? You know how you been? <laughs> I just gotta well, start uh, checking. Go ahead and wrap Ryan us up. Twitter. Yeah, I just want to like before yeah. I go, I gotta you know make it quick because I gotta check wrap Ryan us up. Twitter. 
Yeah, because I, I don't oh, know what's yeah. going on here. She may have gotten 10 more off between these segments. God, no, she is relentless. God, I God. guarantee if we check through her DMs, we may find Steve Kim uh, in her DMs. No, and that's a little what you're wide. really concerned She's a little about. Wide. She's a little <laughs> wide for me. I can't, I'm Asian. We can't handle all that, as they say. I'm sorry. <laughs> you say that. I got in trouble when I said that. Uh, <laughs> don't get me fired again. Uh-huh. All right. Uh, thank you, Steve. Uh, we'll play some tomorrow. We'll see you next week. Waiting for the countdown, coming off the breakdown, standing in line for freedom. Looking for a breakout, feeling like a standoff, nothing in life like freedom. Came like a fighter, striking like a ladder, making all this moves for freedom. I want freedom. No negotiation, my system, no relation, we all just want to have freedom. Sitting on the corner, never been alone, I'll break my back for freedom. Bless, we are living, get back, we are receiving all the seed when we all want to be free. We want freedom. I just want, I want to be, I just want.